This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here is your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Good morning, everybody. This is Coach Jen from Ocala, Florida. And I'm Karen Chatton from Gardnerville, Nevada. And you are listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for July 13th, episode 2723. Good morning, Horse World. When your start time's on Saturday and your finish time's on Sunday... And it doesn't get much better than best conditioned. And completing the challenge is the challenge. You're an endurance rider. There we go. Welcome back. Karen Chatton. She stops by the second Tuesday of every month and we chat about all sorts of endurance topics as well as topics that are relevant for any horse folk. And the first topic we always cover in every show before we get to our guests who are awesome this month, by the way, um, we catch up on Karen's adventures because endurance folks have amazing adventures and great Karen's a great storyteller. So what has been going on with Karen Chatton in Gardnerville, Nevada for the past 30 days or well, so since we saw we've you? we've been shaking and baking, literally. <laughs> we've had earthquakes. We uh, Look, my dogs just came back from their walk because they go at 630 in the morning because it's been too hot, literally. We've, we've been having triple digit heat this week yesterday my uh thermometer registered like 105.8 ah! which is just crazy there are years where we don't even reach 100 degrees here but it's like every day has been over 100 degrees and then the other day a few days ago we had an earthquake and things just started rocking back and forth and then all of a sudden it's like okay <laughs> This is a little bit more serious. This is like a real earthquake. And, and uh, I think USGS ended up um, putting it at a 5.9. But some of their uh, equipment that registered it was as high as a 5 or a 6.0 or 6.4. So in either case, it's like the difference between a 5 and a 5.9 is... Let me tell you, because I grew up in Southern California, it's huge. <laughs> and so I, the sound it made, it was, a, it was loud. It was just like the windows were creaking and things were cracking. The noise it made was just crazy. And, and so, yeah, that's been the fun, fun things we've been having here. We've, and then the next day, excuse me, we had huge... Uh, thunderstorms with lightning and heavy rain. So the next day, within 24 hours, we had floods and we had fires because all the lightning was causing fires to start. So yeah, it's like um, it's like the locusts. When are they going to come? <laughs> <laughs> it's all you. It's, like, it's the only thing you don't have so far, right? <laughs> so far, you know we did. Yeah, it's like this is crazy. Cra Crazy times. <laughs> so what's 
What's the weather been like in Florida? <laughs> um, it's actually been classically hot and sticky and rainy every day. That's pretty much what okay. we've got. Yeah. Well, but you're you're expecting that. <laughs> That's what we expect to have, and and I'm a little okay. panicked because I have my first ever actual go away from home ride in the end of September, and I'm going it's to right be away. The yeah, it's at the yeah. Biltmore. I'm so, so excited because I've always wanted to ride there, but I'm going to be gone the entire month of August for the Horse Radio Network Road Show. So I'm a little bit freaked Ooh. out. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit freaked I, out. I will be picking your brain regularly. Where, where's a good place where I could go? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think everything's kind of in a mess right now. We've got fires all around us and, we, you know, we get the fire smoke and, oh my gosh, it's just like, this is just crazy stuff. Crazy We're stuff. But our breath that everything's going to go okay for Tevis. That yes, coming up. it's coming up fast, and we're going to be talking to pe- three different people involved with tennis, Tevis Cup, and yes. um, we're going to be doing that in just a second. But first, we need to get through our endurance tip really quick because then we have to talk chat with Kristen at Distance Depot. There's a lot to do. Oh, I know there is. So, so what There's what is a so sunscreen for horses? On. Do horses so, really need sunscreen? So I ended up the the new guy, which I finally came up with a name for him. Yay! What is it officially going we're, to be? We're calling him Jovi, which is short. His registered name is VG Ben Jovi. Um, apparently, his breeder had a thing for music. Yep. <laughs> Most people know who Bon Jovi is. But so this horse was named Ben Jovi. So we're calling him Jovi or Little Joe or Joe. So I'm just, you know, kind of calling him Jovi. And so. He has a, a a white blaze all the way down the front of his face, all the way down in front of his nostrils. So, and, and this is something new for me because I've had horses all these years, never had one that was susceptible to the sun with pink skin on their face. Yeah, your gray horse had, didn't have any like white on his face though, did he? he? No, he had dark dark skin. Both of the grays I had previously. So dark. And so this guy, he's got pink on his nose underneath the white. So we've been having triple digit temperatures and it's been hot. And uh, the sun, cause I'm over 5,000 uh, uh, feet on uh, elevation. So, I started asking all my friends and they're like, oh, yeah, well, you know, we we always put sunscreen on our horses that have that. So I started putting um, a fly mask with the long nose on it. But, you know, I don't I don't know that that was quite enough because he would always pull it up or whatever. So I figured out it dawned on me. I had like this gallon tub of just zinc oxide in a powder. So I got a um, makeup brush and I scooped up some of the powder on it and I just sort of like puffed it up on his on his face on the top of his nose and his blaze where the skin was kind of getting pink. And I'll tell you what, it worked really good. Interesting. And 
Now, what, came, what, what inspired you to give this a try? Was this just something you came up with your imagination? <laughs> well, well, kind of, no. I got to give credit. One of my friends from New Zealand, I had posted something about asking about fly masks or something and, and explaining, you know, I got this horse and now he's got this white blaze and pink skin underneath. And she said, you know, I tried everything and the only thing that worked was just putting the zinc oxide powder and puffing it up on his, on, on the top of his nose. And that worked. And she, gosh, by golly, she was right. <laughs> so is it, is, is all zinc oxide powder the same or is there a specific kind that you use? I, you know, I just, it's zinc oxide powder and I got it to use, uh, for putting it on the horse's pasterns for scratches mm-hmm. and mixing it in with um, some uh, just basic mud, like Redmond clay mud mm-hmm. for treating um, just for their feet mm-hmm. for, you know, when they get um, cleaning out their feet and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and you know what? It, it's like, wow, that worked really good. Because, you know, I worry about the sunscreens and all the chemicals and stuff in right, them. Right, right. Yeah, they're you sticking know, their noses in the water and then drinking it. Yeah, there's there's a lot of well, reasons you would exactly, want to stick with something that's a little more friendly. Yeah. Yeah, so this seems to be working really good. And I did mix some up with some shea or sh- Shea butter? Shea butter, yes. And and so I kind of I'm using a little bit of both with the... Uh, zinc oxide and that seems to be working really good and i'm not worrying about the um sunscreen and all the different chemicals and stuff like that that's going on so yeah that that's so that's kind of my tip i guess is uh you know uh first thing is try to use a fly mask if you can to to protect if if you've got real intense sun on your horse and, and they've got pink skin. But this guy, within a couple of days, his whole front of his nose, top front of his nose and stuff, went from being pink, like really pink, and now nada. It's all gone. It's It definitely has worked wonders. Huh. Well, there you go. On. Once again, you come up with an and, amazing and, and useful and I used recipe. To- a beauty brush, just like a makeup brush, like because <laughs> God knows I don't use it. <laughs> I don't need it. I don't really wear makeup, but a lot of us horse people don't. But you know, it, it worked out. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? But his 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 muzzle the only section that needs it, and he doesn't have Pretty white much. and other spots that get sunburned. Well, he's got um what they call chrome, so all four legs from the knees down. Or white, but so far I haven't noticed anything there. Everything's looking good. So there we go. We're good, and that's why I have the tub of the zinc oxide powder. Because for years and years and years, that's what I used. Whether I put it on um, the horses uh, or mixed it with something as a preventative for scratches. Mm -hmm. Because. Most endurance riders, especially if they've done, you know, multi-day rides, 
they 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 know what scratches are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think most horse people who live someplace that there is ever a drop of rain has experienced scratches okay. at some point. Yeah, yeah. I've had scratches on like a yearling horse that. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Never left the property. Yeah. That in the winter when things things got wet, they mm-hmm. would get scratches. I think like, I oh. would I would put scratches and rain rot in the category of naturally occurring. Because it's really hard to okay. find somebody who so has not come across those. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, yeah, you just you can buy the zinc oxide powder online. You know, I got the gallon tub I got from Amazon. Um, I, yeah, I'm not sure if you can get it at a local store. I don't know. Um, you know, I have bought, you know, uh, the one... I guess it's a one pound tub of desitin. That's a lot of desitin. Oh my gosh. Oh, a lot? No. <laughs> Not for wow. an endurance rider. Oh my gosh. You can go through that stuff so quick if you're coating four pasterns every day on a horse or two horses. Desitin is, yeah. I, you know, wouldn't it be nice if we could learn? If it didn't really matter, and we don't want to know, but how much we've spent on things like that? No, I don't want to know at all. <laughs> I know that's exactly. I don't want to know either. How oh my! This this is how this is how my week is currently going, Karen. I have two vet appointments and a farrier appointment all in the same week. That's how our life uh, is going right now. Ouch. <laughs> So when it rains, uh, it pours, right? I feel for you. I know how that goes. It, yeah, I mean, Mister Mister uh, Low Maintenance has been a little bit higher maintenance than typical right now. Uh, yeah, he's he had oh, his no. uh, he had his spa treatment yesterday. That he's ha- been having Doctor Pasteur. He got into a, a study, a case study with Doctor Pasteur. So she's been coming out regularly and adjusting him, okay. doing the chiropractic and doing his. Uh, acupuncture and doing his laser therapy and she came out and gave him his regular treatment yesterday and he's really getting the knack of it now because he was he melted in place he was so happy oh good <laughs> little lips were hanged you know, it was like he was practically oh. drooling he was so happy <laughs> which was great lucky lucky guy lucky guy the, the, that's the good news the bad news is um through all this treatment she said you know i really feel strongly that he probably has some arthritis in his neck and we should get that x-rayed oh and see if we need to take any steps to help him his neck feel better yeah so that's where the second appointment is but you know you know I, i've only lost two nights sleep over it so i'm okay <laughs> <laughs> you know so it's we're, we're okay there but um one of the other things i wanted to catch cover real quick before we get to chatting with Kristen at the Distance Depot because they've got cool things going on over there. Um, a little while back, regular listeners listeners will remember that your chestnut horse came up with a bizarre and crazy <gasps> lump. So give us yes. the quick background on what's he, going there and what the he, latest is. So he came up, I had him like two weeks and I thought, oh, you know, I'm going to you were going to start everything off. We're going to we're going to do a 5-day worm purge. We're going to get his teeth done. Blah 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 blah. Well, whatever I did <laughs> set off his immune system or something. So he ended up popping out this ginormous 
sarcoid in his groin between the upper thigh and his sheath. He just popped out this thing. And I, I would say it was the size of an egg, but I think it was actually the size of maybe an ostrich egg. <laughs> it was wow! Huge. It was huge. I, I mean, it filled up my hand. It was ginormous. And so, of course, as soon as I could, I got him into the vet. <clears throat> and they ultrasounded it and they checked it out. And their their answer was they wanted to just do laser surgery. And so I came home and I'm and I called and I called and I called and I called like seven times and I sent them messages through email and um finally one of the vets called me back and said, Well, the best thing to do is laser surgery. And well, we'll have to figure it out how much it's going to cost. They ne- they have never, and this was two months ago, they have never called me back to tell me how much it would cost or what any other alternatives would cost or what the deal was. So I went online and I found the equine lumps and bumps page. There's an equine lumps and bumps page? Oh, are you? Oh, my yes. gosh. <laughs> because this is not just a thing that happens like to one in a million horses, sarcoids are pretty common. Yeah, but I've never and heard of one that appears overnight like that. That's bizarre. That was, it was, yes, and it was humongous. Yeah, we're talking grapefruit. Yeah. I mean, you could look down and you could see it and it was like, holy, sh-, you know, oops. Um, Did this horse, it, it, and so my husband was calling the horse third nut. Aww. <laughs> Poor guy. Third nut. He's got a third nut because this litter. But see, nuts aren't that big, <laughs> and the, not in that location quite either. They're a little no. further back. Yeah. But in either case, so I ordered the salve uh, from uh, the gal that that is on that group, and I've been treating him, and I. Sw- it's crazy. The sarcoid has shrunk. It's now probably the size of an almond but it is shed it's it's um expelling itself and it's expelled at least two different times so far big chunks of it have come out and it's still got one more to go it's still coming out but it is shrunk down by it like this and i mean it's crazy how much has come out of this sarcoid that's so, bizarre it it's just it is and and i ultimately like when you do the surgery or some of the other treatments that the vets do the sarcoids come back and they come back worse so you know you a lot of people end up on that group because that's where they are they tried the vet treatments and of course my vet clinic was like oh it's not an emergency and you know in fact I mean, they couldn't, they haven't even been bothered to call me back to tell me how much it was going to cost. Um, yeah, that's kind of disappointing, isn't it? So it, it's very disappointing, you know. Um, but yeah, they, they, um, their, their service is definitely less than stellar, uh, considering that I've always been a really good client and I've always paid my bills on time. So, um, very disappointing. And, uh, you know, and I sent them links to other treatments that 
that are, you know, newer and that seem to be working and, and their answer only was, well, surgery is the best option. Well, but a lot of times when you do the surgery and you cut it out, it comes back worse. Hmm. So what other options do you have? What else can we try? And never, I never got, never got an answer, never got an idea on cost or anything. So, so what are you doing? Just leave. Well, I've been, I've been doing the salve that I ordered, the drawing salve that I ordered from, um, came from England and it's definitely working. I mean, it, it's definitely made a huge difference. So if at some point I do end up needing, you know, to do some sort of veterinary stuff, which, which is the first thing I wanted to do. Right. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) But I couldn't get them to do it. I couldn't, you know, I, I couldn't get them to call me back. I couldn't get a price. I couldn't get them, you know, um, so if I do end up going that route, I'm clearly going to have to travel to a vet out mm-hmm. of the area because yeah. the local clinic's not been very helpful or useful at all. Mm-hmm. Um, the, at least now the sarcoid has shrunk down. It's like, I would say probably at least a fifth of the size it was before. And, and, you know, at the rate, rate we're going, it, it may actually end up totally expelling and clearing up on its own. That's so crazy that's thing. where we are. That's so the craziest thing I've ever heard of. Those of you that end up with a horse that has a sarcoid, cause it is a, caused by a virus, um, the, uh, the bovine papilloma virus, um, you know, there are lots of options for treatments now. And so go go look at the uh, equine lumps and bumps page. There we go. Equine lumps and bumps. And speaking of handy-dandy, useful online resources, Horseware. Horseware.com is a handy-dandy online resource, particularly right now, because they are having their summer sale through July 13th. So hurry up. They are having their summer sale. You're going to find horseware products at up to 50% off. Many of your favorites are there from Amigo and from Rambo and HW. They have tights. They have riding jackets. They have all sorts of horse clothing. They have technical summer wear. They even have winter stuff. So check it out today. Horseware.com. And without any further ado, it's time for us to get Kristen from The Distance Depot on to hear about what's going on over there. And it just so happens that The Distance Depot also happens to have horseware products, too. Check that out. And now let's get Kristen. Good morning, Kristen. Hi, Karen. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? Just fine. We have Jennifer with us. Yay. Tell us all about what's going on. I I see in my notes here that we're talking about tack care and Garmin and stuff. Well, I'm particularly curious about tack care because that's one of my obsessions. So (laughs) what what have you got going in the tack care and cleaning department? Well, we have some pretty nice products in there. Um, We have the leather therapy products, which are great for your leather. Um, They prohibit mold. So you're in Florida. You know a little (laughs) A little bit. You should know a little bit about that, right? Um, now, you're in Missouri. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
it just, you know, it's so hot and steamy, everything seems to mold. So that's a nice product for that. And it doesn't rot your stitching, and it does a super nice job. So um, we have the Leather Therapy Restorer. You can use the Leather Therapy Wash first if you want to. I generally just use the Restorer and Conditioner. I I actually use it on my um, seats of my car as well, and my husband uses it on his boots. Um, So it's a great product for just about anything leather. Um, We also have Leather Therapy Saddle and Blanket Wash, which makes your saddle pads smell amazing and your girths. I have used that. I have used that stuff. It is awesome. So good. And it makes them really soft. Um, Yeah, it's an awesome product and gets your, like the wool back products, you know, they're that creamy white color or light um, tan color, if you will, and it gets them super clean. They look awesome when they're done. I need to order that because I have a a wool back saddle pad and it's kind of foul. So I need to order that. Yeah, okay. Note to self. (laughs) And and then we have the Leather Therapy Laundry Solution, which is really cool, like for your half chaps or your sheepskin products because it's, um, mm-hmm. well, it will keep them supple and condition them as well as clean them. Oh, that's so nice. It's, and it smells really nice, too. And it, these products are environmentally sound, which is nice, too. So um, anything we can do to help the planet, right? Absolutely. <laughs> exactly. So, absolutely. Um, and then we have, um, like, a durable water repellent by Revivex. So that's a really great product for raincoats and your horse blankets, sheets, and stuff like that to, um, you know, revive their water repellent um, repellency. So it's a it's a great product too. And that same company makes a cleaner. So you use just a small amount of the cleaner um, on gentle cycle, and it will wash your raincoats and or blankets without stripping that waterproof. Uh, waterproofing off so that's an awesome product too and of course we have a super duty um, leather punch how many times have you gone to punch a hole and your and your punch doesn't work it's really hard to operate so this one that we have is really super duty heavy duty and it um, goes through really thick leather we have some stirrup leathers here in the store that we're always having to punch for people and so that's a great punch um for our VMAX, which I think we were going to mention here in just a second, too, we also have, so on your little Velcro electrodes, we have a Cashel Velcro brush, which is super handy. It's even great for, like, your um, ankle boots or your splint boots, and it will oh, help clean cool. up that Velcro and, you know, help get some of that hair and hay and stuff that gets stuck in all that prickly Velcro. So that's uh-huh. kind of a cool little brush, too. So all kinds of stuff. And, sure. of course, little tack sponges and, and um, Bickmores. We have Bickmore Cleaner, Leather Cleaner, and Conditioner. And I love that company. They have great products, too. It, yeah. So they do a really nice job, too. Yeah. So so I, I was looking on your website. Of course, I, I love looking <laughs> at your website, Kristen. It's just, <laughs> uh, it's like, I want this, I want this, I want this. And then, of course, I'm like, oh, I can't have everything. I wish I could. But I saw you have the new Garmin set up, and it includes everything with the heart rate monitor and the GPS and everything. So tell us about that. Yes. So we sell the Garmin watches um, by themselves, which... You know, those are uh-huh. great if you're just wanting to see, you know, how far you went, how fast you traveled, maybe your elevation. Um, Garmin is 
you know, second to none in GPS tracking. We know that. Um, so the capabilities that these units have far outweigh what most of us will do with them. But they're really handy, great training tools, and mm-hmm. we have made up bundles. So because it's a little confusing, um, customers can call and we can chat about these things um, if, there, if you have more questions. But oftentimes what I'll recommend is I sort of send everybody, I say, go do your homework because Garmin has so many units out there. They have handheld units, right. um, you know, all sorts of different units. We sell the Forerunners, um, which are made, of course, for runners. Um, but we adapt the human chest belt to pick up your horse's heart rate with our VMAX wires that we've used for 35-plus years. So now we're adapting the Garmin heart rate monitor to send the signal to your watch. Most of these watches are wrist-based now, meaning they read your wrist, but which is great. But if you want to see your horse's heart rate, you can go down through the sensor and hook it up to pick up your horse's heart rate. It's a little involved, but once you've learned it um, and have it set up, it's very simple um, and gives you super information. You can track all of your workouts. Um, one of the newest watches we just brought in is a Garmin 55, and it has... Uh, I think close to 20 hours in GPS mode, which is really nice for most people doing 50s, 75s, and, um, you know, one of your faster hundreds. Um, Or you just recharge it during your hour hold. Yes. Yep. If If you have a way to recharge it, you'll be all set there. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Sometimes that's the tricky part out in the wilderness. But if you do have a way, if you come back to camp and you can Uh recharge, you're all set. Um, but most of these units, um, like I say, are sold separately and or you can buy it with the entire adapter kit and the heart rate monitor, everything you need um, to see your horse's heart rate while you ride. Mm-hmm. So lots of great units out there. Um, some of them have longer battery life, like the 945, and your um, more expensive units are your newer units. Um, the 55 is a really nice price point, actually, for just the watch. I think it's just about $199.99, which is more expensive than our regular basic units used to be. But unfortunately, that technology is so old, and the factories won't make it anymore. So everything's okay. gone digital. So for Garmin, sure. that's a pretty good price. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, for folks who, who need to invest in a, a, <laughs> a Garmin or some tack cleaning care stuff, where are they going to find all that, care, that Kristen? They can visit our website, which is www.thedistancedepot.com, or give us a call toll-free, 866-863-2349. Perfect. Thanks a bunch, Kristen. Thanks, Thank Kristen. You. Bye-bye. And our first guest this morning is Erin McChesney, who is a longtime endurance writer that's been very successful writing and winning the Tevis Cup, and now she serves on the Tevis Cup committee, and we're going to talk with her this morning and learn a little bit more about that Tevis Cup committee and what it is. So welcome, Erin. Thank you for joining us again. Thank you for having me. Okay, so give us a little bit of a rundown on the Tevis Cup committee, what it is, how it formed and what it's about. Okay. So the cup committee with the Western States trail foundation is a group of about six to 10 people. 
and they monitor the ride from the beginning on Friday afternoon until the um, end of the Hagen Cup judging for best condition on Sunday morning. And it formed, oh gosh, I don't know the first year exactly that they became kind of an official group. I think they were, would be reasonable to say it was an unofficial group of, of observers during the ride who were watching the top 20 horses throughout the course of the event from Friday until the finish line. And eventually it did form into a formal group with a cup committee chair. And I've been cup committee chair once before. And then this is, I believe, my fifth time being a cup committee member. So what we're doing is we have kind of a, we have a two-pronged assignment. Our first assignment is to watch the top 20 horses as they work their way down the trail and observe the rider's horsemanship, to observe their sportsmanship, and um, just kind of their overall engagement with the ride. Like, are they really, you know, being very respectful of other people? Are they taking good care of their horses? Are they, um, you know, having good conduct throughout the ride? And then the other job that we have is kind of as a public liaison throughout the course of the event for rules enforcement. So if someone has um, a question regarding some of the rules on the ride, they can come and find any of us. We wear these yellow vests that say cup committee and they can um, come and ask us questions. If they have any questions related to the ride, they can always come to us um, as a resource for whatever it is that their needs are. And then, of course, if there were some kind of an infraction or a complaint that would be rendered or anything, then that would go to us. And then as a group, as a committee, we would um, gather all the information and then, <clears throat> excuse me, and then make a, a decision based on what we had found out. So the Cup Committee is associated with what's called the Hagen Cup. And the Hagen Cup is awarded to one of the top 10 finishers, and I would say horses, but we've also had mules that have won the, the Hagen Cup. So one of the top 10 um, animals that comes through goes through a very rigorous veterinary examination on Sunday morning at 10 o'clock at the stadium in Auburn. And um, there, all the vets are present in that evaluation. And so what they do is the veterinary committee looks at those animals at 10 o'clock the following morning, then takes a look at the horse's veterinary card from Friday when they checked in all the way until their finish. And then the veterinary committee comes back and hands three names to us and says, here's our top three horses that we have evaluated this morning that we would give best condition to. And then the Hagen Cup takes that information and we get together and we collaborate on what we have observed of those three recommendations from the veterinary committee. And, and then we can say, well, you know, we really feel like this particular horse and rider combination deserves the Hagen Cup, which is for best condition and also um, an example of exemplary horsemanship and sportsmanship. And so then we weigh in on that to make sure that we feel like the, 
the horse and the rider combined have earned the honor of getting the Hagen Cup. And so this is why the Hagen Cup is not considered a best condition award with AERC, with the American Endurance Ride Conference, because it's not just based on the veterinary score. So it's, um, it's an interesting and different way of recognizing that, that horse that's the most fit to continue, um, but also the rider who we feel has really risen to the top, if you will. And oftentimes the first recommenda- recommendation from the veterinarians is also our first recommendation and we're in agreement with the veterinarians. It's very rare that um, the Hagen Cup would disagree with the veterinary committee, um, but it has happened once in a while. So how many pets do the Cup members go to during the Tavis? The Cup committee members are, there's at least one, if not two, preferably two or more at every single Wow spot with the exception of high camp um high camp is 13 miles in and it's just a water stop and it's kind of like if somebody needs something you know they've Uh got a tack problem or lost a shoe or whatever or a rider that all of a sudden realizes hey you know this isn't happening today um but no like my assignment the last time which was uh, not last year but the year before um, I had the start. I was one of the cup committee people at the start of the ride. And we have to be there on Friday. The entire committee is at the check-in on Friday, sort of wandering around. Uh-huh. Um, and then, um, so we have people at the start. We have um, someone who watches people go through at 89, Highway 89. Um, we don't have someone at high camp, although sometimes they will. Then we'll have members at... Um, Lions Ridge, Red Star. We almost all of us are back together, or nearly all of us are back together by Robinson. Um, and then we'll we'll go down to um, to Last Chance. We'll go to Deadwood. We go Michigan Bluff, Chicken Hawk, Forest Hill, Francisco's, Lower Quarry, and then the finish line. Wow, um, that's a long so day for you guys. It's a really long day. <laughs> the, the last time I had a really cool assignment, I had the start and then I had Robinson Flats start to finish, which was fun. And then I had Francisco's start to finish, which was really fun. And then then at the finish line, you know, they just wanted you to kind of be available. And I, I got in a lull, you know, and the Tevis is kind of an interesting deal because Half of the people who finish the Tevis finish in the last hour from like 4.15, and then the first horse comes in somewhere around 10 o'clock at night, and they just kind of dribble and in these ones and twos and threes all the way from the first horse in until about, about 4 a.m. So it's a, it's a very long day um, for the cup committee. Um, we get a little bit of a break of course, after the ride is finished, we at the finish line, as people are moving in from the ride, you know, they're coming down from their stops, the different cup committee members, we kind of just overlap each other and check in with each other at the finish line. So there's always a few of us milling around. Um, And then once the ride is completed at 515, unless there's something we're having to manage at that point, we're basically off the clock for a couple of hours and then the entire cup committee has to be present for 
Hagen Cup judging at 10 o'clock. And then after that is completed, then we meet one more time and then we're off the clock again until we're actually officially done at that point. Once we've made our decision to select the Hagen Cup winner, um, but they do want us all present at the awards banquet at one o'clock. So it's a long weekend. It's a, it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. Do, are you aware of any other endurance competitions that offer this type of an award that is this, I want, I don't, I don't know if extensive is the right word, but something that is, that is so encompassing of the horse and rider pairs entire ride weekend. Cause it's not, like you said, it's not just uh the best conditioned award. Are you aware of anybody else that does anything like this? I am not aware of anyone that has um, a separate committee that is just observing the, the conduct of the riders and using that as part of their um, evaluation, as far as who's going to be awarded the, um, the best condition award. And, you know, most best condition awards, it's kind of an interesting anomaly in endurance because they have, you can have a high vet score, which is just the horse's vet score. And then when they factor in time and weight of rider, it can move the high vet score horse may not be considered best condition. And, um, but that's just a calculation that comes from AERC on their formula for determining best condition. But as far as I know, they don't, I don't know of anything I should say is that I don't know of another, um, another type of cup like the Hagen cup, which is one of the reasons why the Hagen cup is so prestigious. Um, well, and that you're attaching it to one of the hardest races in the entire endurance world. (laughs) It's not like getting the Hagen cup at your local, you know, 50 miler. (laughs) Exactly. And you know, the other thing too, is that, you know, when you look at the statistics of the Tevis and it doesn't matter what year you look at, basically half the, half the people who start it finish and it kind of doesn't really matter what the year is. It doesn't matter what the weather's been like. I've gone down that trail where we had to go through snow drifts. I've gone down that trail where, you know, there wasn't any water. Um, It's, it varies considerably. Um, And the odds of finishing are very, very hard because it's just really, really hard. It's It's just just really, really, really really hard. hard, Well, the idea is, is that the Hagen cup, so the Hagen Cup is based on, um, on you know, Mr. Hagen, who was who had racehorses in Sacramento in the 1800s, and he was a big time racehorse guy, and he was friends with Lloyd Tevis, and um, and how Wendell put all that together, I don't remember the the gap in between, but um, you know. Mr. Hagen was known for his racehorses. He had pretty spectacular animals. And so I think that having using his name on that particular award is not just the horse that's the fittest to continue. Yeah. That it had yeah. to be more than that. And I know Wendell. I did know Wendell as a child and rode with him a little bit um, just before he passed and everything. He had very high expectations of both people and horses. And so I think in his in his philosophy with the Hagen Cup is that it just didn't it was not going to be just the horse that was the most lively on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. It had to be more than that. And I think that um, that's why any of us who've had the opportunity and the privilege to show for the Hagen Cup 
hold it in such high regard because we we know that we're upholding a standard that's that's above and beyond you know your your typical endurance ride Absolutely. Well, and, and there's nothing about Tevis that's typical. So for folks who want to learn about more about the Tevis, follow along with the competitors, et cetera, et cetera, where do they go? Um, when you go onto the, the ride website um, on race day, they have what they call a, a, a live ride um, link. And you can go on there and you can follow, you know, what's happening. You can see the most recent updates of which riders are at which point along the trail. Um, there's no live webcam. It's just, it's just data, yeah. but you can follow the ride that way. Um, and and the, course, the, the, the website is teviscup.org. We're, we're going to have to have you back again, maybe after the race, Thanks, Aaron. Aaron, and, yeah, and see how it went. Well, if you haven't noticed, it's all things Tevis today. So it looks like we have our next guest lined up, Karen. Our next guest is Andy Botello, who is a first-time Tevis writer from California. Welcome this morning, Andy. Thank you for joining us. How are you doing? Doing great. Good morning. Um, thank you for having me. Okay, so uh, give us a little history on yourself and your experience with endurance riding and, and your horse. Um. Well, I mean, I'm... I'm pretty new to endurance. Um, I started last year during the whole COVID year, which wasn't really much of a year. Um, I think um, I did a couple. I did one intro ride, and then I did my first 50. I think um, I think Fire Mountain was probably the first, I believe, was like the first, my first endurance ride. And then, and that was it. Like, I think the, the rest of the year was just nothing. Um, and then into, at the end of the year, December, I, I joined the EDRA, which I did uh, 150 in, in Arizona. And then, and then this year, I've just been trying to get in as many rides as I can up to just to qualify to, mm-hmm. to meet the, the minimum mileage for, for Tevis. So, um, but that's, as far as endurance, you know, that's, that's, that's all I got. <laughs> and, and so what um, inspired you to want to do Tevis? Well, it's been on my bucket list for quite a while. I mean, it's, um, I've, I have clients that have always talked about it and it has always interested me. I'm a farrier. I work with I mean, mm-hmm. a few horses and trim horses. So I got a lot of clients that are, you know, in different disciplines. So endurance has always been a pretty like neat one just because I, I love hiking. I love running and what better way to get out than with your horse and, you know, and do a hundred miles. So like Tevis seems like a really um, interesting thing, like an interesting ride to, to try and do. So, so definitely been working towards that, like uh, very, I guess you could say just um, committed and just determined to, to uh-huh. do it. So, uh-huh. And so, so tell us it, about your horse that you're going to be taking. So I'm riding. So I'm riding. I have, uh, her name is Our Quick Chick and also known as Chicky. Um, she's an Anglo-Arab and um, where is she? She's, uh, she was bred by David and Shirley Henderson out in Norco, um, which, I mean, it's, um, 
out of their, uh, I remember it was, uh, out of their champion off the track of, um, or OTB O'Brien, okay. which was a blue fire. Yeah. Just, and so, she, and so I mean, she, she, she's an Anglo. Anglo Arab. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's, um, 13 years old. Awesome little horse. I mean, she's on the smaller side, I think, and very forward, very uh-huh. high strung type of a horse that kind of believe, I mean, do you get, she was owned by Brenda at, um, before I started working with her. So once she got sold from the breeding farm, Brenda was the one that took her on. And then she, she sent her off to a couple of trainers and just wasn't very happy with, with how, you know, she was going. So, um, she kind of just paused for a bit and, and, uh, and then I met her and that's kind of how we linked up. And so is this going to be your first hundred? This will be my first hundred. Okay. No, you know what? Tevis is perfect for that because you're, you know, there are no other hundreds where you have that much support and help along the way with all the volunteers and all the support and the help you're going to have. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty incredible how many volunteers it takes to Uh put it together. Yeah. um, Yeah. Yeah. And then, I mean, yeah, I mean, at each, like I have multiple clients that are going to be up there. Oh, cool. They're all, you know, from Uh different locations. So it's, it's a lot, big group of people. Yeah. No, it's going to be quite an experience. It's great that they're, you know, that we're getting to have Tevis this year, you know, just by itself. It's a great thing to, you know, after last year, COVID and everything (laughs) that's been happening. So what have you been doing to get yourself ready? Well, I've been, I've been doing a lot of running. I mean, I've been running at least, um, you know, two to three times a week. Um, usually for an hour, I go out for like four or five miles. Um, and then I just, um, just, just building up my, you know, my stamina and just me Mm -hmm. being able to run. Um, and then I did, uh, I kind of put together my own, uh, my own marathon that I ran, um, maybe three weeks ago, just to kind of, you know, just to get myself in the shape for the, for the, for me. So, which was kind of a fun run, but, um, yeah. So, I mean that, and, um, just kind of figuring out my nutrition plan that I'm going to use through the, through the hundred miles. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. so, uh, just keeping hydrated, um, and just the diet, the diet parts, like, I mean, it's, sure. It's all so important. do you have a rider number? Um, I believe I was like two. I have to look up on. Is it on the rider okay. list? I think I think they just published them like a day or two ago. But um, yeah, we can post that when we do put up the show online. Your rider number for those at home that want to follow Andy, uh, we'll put up his rider number. And because uh, you're one of the few people with an Anglo Arab. This year. Is that which, right? 
You are, yes. And, and of course, I take note because my horse, one of my new horses I've got within the last year, he's an Anglo-Arab, and he belonged okay. to a rider. Um, you may not know if you're new to the sport, um, Sue Hedgecock. And she had okay. previously won the Hagen Cup. And then okay. she unfortunately got cancer and passed away. And the horse I have, Apollo, was going to be her next Tevis horse. So, okay. um, so he's destined to do it eventually, Karen. You know, we that. hope so. That's right. Oh yeah. the, where, is he, where is he at in the training? Uh, well, he has done seven AERC rides, a couple of 50s and some LDs, mostly in Utah. So he's done some technical stuff. Um, and then I got him w within the last year and I had to treat him for, um, ulcers and deal with, he had some f hoof issues. <laughs> His feet oh, were no. just, I know. So it's one of those, it, it's, uh, um, you know what they call a, um, project. There you go. Well, you can't rush these things at all. When you're doing rides that one competition is 100 miles, you, you yes. really do have to look at the long game. So maybe someday, Andy, I'll see you on the Tevis Trail again, and I'll be riding with, with you know, we'll both be on our Anglo-Arabs. Because they do actually excel in the sport. Um, I've known a few that people right? that have had Anglos, and they actually do really, really well. They do. So I wish what you all the best of luck. What about it? Like, what what is it that creates the Anglo Arabs to be so? Um, uh, you know, I I think that they mentally they handle things well, and they have generally really good recoveries. Okay. You okay. know, so. Um, you know, it's just you know every horse is an individual. You know, some are going to do better than others just based on their, you know, makeup of who they are. And and also the riders, you know, um, yeah. you just, you, you know, um, how, yeah. how tall yeah, no, is your, how tall is your horse? She's, I don't know, I want to say like maybe, maybe 15. Oh, okay. Like, she's, okay. um. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't know. I don't think I've ever measured her. But the biggest reason why I was real happy with this horse was just just her personality is really what, uh -huh. like, I really liked. Um, and I think that's kind of what, like, and, and the, the other part was mainly just soundness, just the way she's built, like, the legs. Um, mm -hmm. uh, just, just all of that, like, just looks really I have I have the, the most important question of all about your horse Andy. What's that? Does she have good What's feet? That? Does she no, have good no. feet? That's all I care about, right? You're the farrier. Oh, 100%. 100%. <laughs> that's like, great. That was, yes. You know, that's one of the things I look at is that, you know? Um, <laughs> uh, that's, that's like the, that's like the biggest, like, that's, you know, I'm like, when I'm walking around at some of these endurance rides, the first thing I do when I look at horses, just, oh my God. Sure, well, of course you do. Is, is their feet. <laughs> yes. Is their feet. Like, <laughs> You know, I'm like, oh, those toes are long. These toes are short. These, those look good. You know, and, but, and like, aren't you amazed at what these horses can do, even when they have 
horrible feet. <laughs> hey, oh, careful, it's, it's, careful. You're hitting yeah. pretty close to home there, Karen. Careful. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, it is pretty incredible. I mean, it is. doing a few of these rides, like the amount of concussion that goes into their feet after, you know, mile after mile after mile and for them uh -huh. to be able to finish sound <laughs> is, is incredible. Uh, and, and it really shows, I mean, like there's specific type of, specific types of, you know, shoeing geared for, for that, I think. I mean, for each discipline has like a specific type of shoeing. And I think that I'm learning a lot by actually riding these horses or my horse and really seeing like the amount of concussive mm -hmm. terrain out there. So something I ride in is the, um, the, uh, the easy shoe. So I'm not sure if you're familiar with those, but they're the mm -hmm. easy shoe flex, which is like a composite shoe that really does absorb a lot of concussion um, more than just the steel. Yeah. And I think if you're looking at longevity, um, you, you know, doing it for the long haul, I think that would be a good way to prevent, you know, issues down the ropes. Yes. Yes. Well, thanks well, a lot we, for, we for... wish you all the best, Andy, and we will Thank be you. following you on, uh, the Tevis webcast and I will look up your uh, writer number so our listeners can f also follow you and I um, hope you have a awesome. great ride and a great experience. Thank you. Thank you. Have fun. And we'll, we, you, we're, and, looking uh, forward, we're looking forward to seeing, seeing you on the, on the trail, at least data wise. Have fun. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Thanks Thank Andy. Have a good day. Hey, you Bye. too. Bye. Cool. It's going to be such an interesting ride for him the first time out. He's so new to the sport altogether. But uh, in no short order, we've already got our next our next guest out, and that's going to be Dr. Susan, Susan Garlinghouse. We're going to the opposite end of the scale from someone who's it's their very first Tevis to Dr. Dr. Garlinghouse, and there aren't too many people with more Tevis experience. So let's get her on. Well, our next guest is Dr. Susan Garlinghouse, who is going to tell us about her Tennessee walking horse John Henry, who is about to enter Tevis for this year in 2021, and this will be if he completes his sixth completion, which will be a record-breaking uh, year for him. And so, Susan, welcome, and thank you for joining us. Tell us about what's coming up. Well, thank you. Um, this is uh, it's kind of one of those little uh, personal uh, missions that we've been on for for John mm -hmm. Henry. Uh, John has uh, he already has five uh, Tevis completions, and uh, and that's with three different riders. Three of those times were with me. One was with his previous owner uh, Bruce Wary, and one was with a a friend riding him a, a few years ago, and that brought him up to five buckles. Now, there's only been mm -hmm. one other gated horse in Tevis history that has even finished five. And that was a horse uh, named uh, Snyder's Three Socks that uh, he finished his last buckle back in the 70s. So it's been a oh, long, wow. long stretch that long gated time. horses, mm -hmm. uh, and, and there are a lot of horses, uh, gated horses that, that are entering more and more. They're becoming more and more popular, but... Um, I think the the most completions of any gated horse 
uh, other than, than John Henry and, and Three Socks, has been um, uh, three completions. So only Three Socks and John have five, but of course, you know, we can't let that stand. We've got to try and beat that one. So if John can complete again this year, that will give us uh, uh, six completions. And uh, so that will be beating a record that has stood for over 40 years. Wow. And of course, you've overcome some obstacles just to get to the starting line, right? Well, yeah. Um, this has been, uh, uh, let's see, about 22 months, uh, 20-something odd months. Um, John, yeah, because COVID uh, intervened a, and, and really screwed everything up, right? <laughs> he did. Yeah, he uh, he had a uh, uh, he. Uh, we still don't know exactly how he did it, but he managed to cut himself uh, badly enough that uh, it, it was a pretty catastrophic injury to his his right front leg. Um, he came up and, and was yelling uh, at the the pasture at the. Uh, uh, the fence closest to my my window, and he kept on yelling and yelling and yelling. And I finally went out to say, uh, "See what was all the noise about?" And he puts his foot up on the fence and says, "Look, I have a boo boo." Well, he had a, a boo boo that was cut right down to the joint capsule and right down to the bone. And uh-huh. uh, so I uh, cleaned it up just a little bit and went, "Okay, this is way beyond my skill set." Uh, loaded him into the trailer. And we got him over to UC Davis, and they had him in surgery within just a couple of hours. And the original question was, uh, okay, are we going to be able to even save his life? Uh, And then the question is, could we make him comfortable enough to be retired to pasture? Uh And then we we got that point, but he ended up spending about uh, three weeks hospitalized at Davis, and they just did an amazing job with him. And uh, we just kept on bringing him back and seeing what he was comfortable doing. And we had a whole team of people that was was working on him. Uh, And uh, he just kept on getting better and getting better and getting better. And then we thought, well, is there any chance that he's going to be able to return to endurance performance? Uh And he did. And he did a couple of 50s in uh, in good shape. And then we went, well, okay, so is that six Tevis buckled back on the, the table? So that's where we are oh, right now. And, it looks like it's at least back and, on the table. We don't know if he can do it or not, but let's give it a try. Yeah, and he did Cash Creek, right, this year? He did. He did uh, Cash Creek, and then he also did uh, Camp Far West. Uh, so he's, he's done a couple of 50s. Um, he did uh, Cash Creek with a, uh, uh, a friend of mine that was going to ride him for me this year. Um, I've been working so many hours <clears throat> that... Oh, excuse me. Um, that uh, I am am not in shape to be riding a uh, hundred miles right now, and uh-huh. uh, uh, and so a a friend of ours, Brenna Sullivan, uh, who has uh, also finished Tevis on her Tennessee Walker Sky, right? Uh, who unfortunately mm-hmm. we lost a, a few years ago. Um, she was going to ride him, but Tevis Gremlins are in full force this year. Uh, she has <laughs> tweaked her back. So she's yes. not quite up to riding Tevis, so she's going to be coming out, and she's going to be helping at the, uh, the ride, doing other things. And so we've had yet another last-minute uh, rider change. And uh, so it is uh, Jenny Gomez that is going to be riding him this year. Uh, she's oh, also done Tevis once on her Rocky Mountain. 
And uh, uh, but at as of today, uh, with schedules and last minute things like that, she has not even been on his back yet. So she's going to get in maybe one good ride, <laughs> uh, just uh, on the local trails before we're kind of like, okay, yeah, that's good enough. Here, now go ride Devon. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, it won't be the first time for you know riders that that uh, have been on a horse before to go do an endurance ride. <laughs> exactly. And and luckily, John Henry thinks he owns that trail, and and he's such a pro sure. at it now that you you basically you just throw somebody up on his back, yeah. point him west, tell him to, uh, the the rider to stay out of his way, keep handing him food, exactly. And, uh, yeah, and, and know the trail, man. There, yeah, there's no stopping them. They want to go. Yes. Oh yeah. Yes. <laughs> and so you've got a crew put together for John Henry. Tell us about your crew. Uh, well, I have uh, um, Mickey and Chris Turney. Uh, they are very experienced crew. Um, they've uh, uh, crewed many, many times in the, the past, often for uh, Melissa and Robert Ribley. Uh, oh, but, cool. Uh, okay. Uh, Mickey also, uh, she takes care of my place while I'm, I'm off uh, working. I, I very often have to work away from home, and so I'm gone for sometimes weeks at a time. So. Uh, we always uh, joke that that uh, uh, she spends more time at my house than I do, <laughs> and uh, so they will be at Robinson Flat, and uh, then we have just sort of a, a whole mishmash of a bunch of us that will be at uh, at Forest Hill, and then uh, uh, you know perhaps the, uh, the most important we've got people that will be at uh, McCann Stadium, and uh, hopefully, we're, assuming we hoping that we get there. Uh, uh-huh, and they will yeah. be camping out next to uh, to John Stahl afterwards to make sure he gets walked and, and keep an eye on him and uh, take uh, take good care of him until uh, while well, he rests for a while before we can take him back home again. Do you think he knows? <laughs> um, I mean, I, come I on, he, he does. Uh, and actually, the the, yeah. the ride that uh, his last workout will be just in the next couple of days. And uh-huh. uh, I I have another uh, friend and neighbor, and she does most of his conditioning for me, again, because I'm gone so much, um, that uh, we have a whole team of people that, that are doing the conditioning with him. But uh, uh, his last workout is uh, we're going to take him down to the quarry road to the river crossing and then turn around and uh, uh, Come he's going to go all the way yeah. back along quarry road and then back all the way into Outlook uh, to the uh, the finish line and then uh, I'll meet them there and, and have a pan of mash for them, and uh, he can get a, a good drink at the tank there, and then we'll uh, I'll probably cool. just pop him into the trailer and take him home. So uh, hopefully he'll get that. But, you know, he's, he always really tends to know. Uh, and if he doesn't, then once he gets to, to Roby and, and the, yeah. the starting line, then he definitely knows then. They're, they're, they're often smarter than we give him credit for. How old is he now? Uh, he's just over 22, uh, 21 years old. So okay. he's, uh, he's getting up there, but he's, you know, boy, you would never, ever know it, uh, based on his uh, yeah, attitude. And... Yeah. Isn't it nice to see on the Tevis list, how many of the horses are getting, you know, up an age compared to, it seems like years ago they were younger than now. And now you've got a bunch of horses in their teens and, even early 20s. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, John is, is at 21. He's not even the uh-huh. 
the oldest horse starting this year. I think he's something like, I don't know, third or fourth or uh, yeah. at least yeah. five horses in their 20s that are starting. And That's a lot of those cool. are experienced horses, and they're being, being ridden by, uh, uh-huh. you know, some top riders that, that know you know, know a good horse to, uh, to bring. They're, they're not bringing horses that have, you know, snowball's chance to, uh, to actually be in there. So it's, right, it's nice. Right. You don't see that, you don't see that in, in most, uh, competition, uh, disciplines like we do. In other horse, <clears throat> exactly. In other horse sports. <clears throat> so do, what's your rider number? Do you have it? Yes. One, five, three. One, five, three people. So you can follow along at tevascup.org on July 24th. You can follow John Henry and um, other horses or riders that, that uh, we've mentioned on the show. Um, but especially follow John Henry. He's a gated horse. And um, how many? Do you, do you know how many other gated horses are entered this year, Susan? You know, I I didn't uh, I haven't checked recently. I know that there's there's at least a couple of them. A couple um, of others. And it's, it's I know I saw Rocky Mountain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've seen yeah. a couple. Yeah, we're getting cool. more and more every year. That definitely people are are starting to look at gated horses as uh, not just a, a comfortable uh, comfortable ride, but but they're incredibly durable. Yes. Yes. Yeah, there are some that have done extremely well in the sport. Um, you know, it's just a matter of getting the people, you know, interested and and uh, going out and doing it, right? <laughs> oh yeah. Well, and and even so, you know, we uh, a lot of time a lot of people will still tell you that gated horses, you know, yes, they can do it, but they're not going to be competitive. But uh, John has, I don't know, somewhere around 4,500 4, uh, mi- uh, competition miles now. And mm-hmm. of those uh, 4,500, um, half of those are in uh, uh, top 10. And of those okay. uh, top 10, half of those are in the top five. Uh, uh-huh. So, you know, gated horses can even be competitive. Um, I'm not sure if I sure. would ever say yeah. that. You know, you'll uh, uh, you can count on everyone doing everything, but uh, the uh, Snyder's three socks that I, I mentioned earlier, when he was competing in the '70s, he actually finished. And uh, holy cow, now I can't even remember. I think he finished fifth. So you know, okay. then yes, they can move right along. Uh, they they have to be conditioned a little bit differently than a horse with a lot of Arab blood. But it can be done. Yeah, I remember uh, riding along with John Henry on a few rides with with mm-hmm. you and with Lisa at Tevis. And I was just cruising along at a canter. And he was just like, do-do-do-do-do. <laughs> just uh-huh. kind of going along. Like it was, you know, just another day out for a ride. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not sure mm-hmm. if I would say that John Henry is typical. Um you know, sometimes we kind of call him the space alien that, that he's just, he's kind of weird, but he definitely mm-hmm. gets the job done and he, he really likes his job. 
So uh, sure. I, I always tell cool. whatever rider he's going to be on, don't expect the way that you rode him on the trails to be the horse that you're getting on today. <laughs> uh, but oh, uh, the nice sure. thing about John Henry is that he's also, uh, he's always exactly the horse that you need him to be on any single day. So uh-huh. at, at Tevis or at a competition, he is going to be all about getting down the trail. But sure. if for some reason, uh, you know, at home or any place else, I can literally throw a four-year-old kid up on his back and they can go out and do some little uh, gymkhana thing and he's going to be the just the perfect little little babysitter for little tiny kids. And uh, yeah. so he's yeah. he's always exactly who you need him to be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now he knows the Tevis trial. He, he's going to know. As soon as he goes down to vet in on Friday, he's going to know what the deal is about. <laughs> yep. Yes, he does. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's a pretty smart guy. He's uh, We always, uh, always tell people that uh, whenever I'm riding him, he's definitely the brains of the outfit. I'm just there because they... Uh, <laughs> They insist that uh, they have a, ra- a rider along at some point. Exactly. Uh-huh. <laughs> cool. Well, we wish you the best of luck, your horse. Thank you. And um, I'm sure our listeners are going to be following along. Well, I hope so. I'll take all the uh, all of the mojo that we can get. Well, that was a jam-packed show with tons of guests, and it was interesting to see different points of view coming into Tevis because there are so many different and it's just not it's not just competitors it's the competitors it's the people who run the thing it's going to people who have experience people who don't have experience everybody's going to have a different a different couple of days and I'm going to be following along as I said on the data stream at tevis.org and do that but we would be remiss if we wrapped up the show without uh, you mentioning Renegade Hoof Boots. And Renegade Hoof Boots has been sponsoring the Endurance episode every single month, I think pretty much since you started, right? I, I believe so. And they are also now the official Hoof boot sponsor of the Tevis. Really? Wow. Yes. Really cool. Which is really kind of cool. And, and uh, I'm, I think I'm correct when I say more horses have completed Tevis with a strap-on boot, which was Renegade, over any other boot brand, which is kind of a cool thing because, you, know, you know, we have the glue-on boots, which, you know, they've got their purpose, but, you know, you're dependent on the application, you're, de- you know, dependent on the glue, which has often had a failure rate. Um, but the strap-on boots, by golly, they're, you know what? You lose a shoe, you lose a glue-on boot, whatever. You can put on one of those strap-on renegade boots and literally, I mean, I've started and finished Tevis in them. And yeah. also other hundreds and multi-day rides. And uh, they're, they're terrific boots. They're made in the United States. They come in several different colors. There's a couple of different models based on your uh, the horse's different hoof shapes. And the Renegade team is there to help you size and fit your boots if you need help. Go to renegadehoofboot.com. There you go. And uh, check them out. Like, like you said, made in the United States of America. So that's a real that, – that says something right there. Yeah. People are going to work and making the boots. 
Well, that's about wrapped it up for today. Um, Thank you again for stopping by and chatting about all things endurance. And we'll chat next month about how Tevis turned out. We don't know. So we're going to do that. And you can find links to today's show at horsesinthemorning.com. If you're listening in 2025, go to horsesinthemorning.com and look for episode 2723. You can follow us on Twitter. Our handle there is Horse Radio. And you can listen to the Horse Radio Network shows, all of them, and there are a heap on your favorite podcatcher. So until next time, uh, go ride your horse. And wear your helmets and be safe, everybody.